On Podcast 1869, Tesla's margins shrink, but their profits are rising. We'll talk virtual power plants and Nissan are the latest to add the Nax connector. Stick around. Welcome to a returning Patreon producer, Jeff Halinski. Jeff's been my patron for something like two years, no more than that, actually. And he, I noticed he left, lots of people do leave Patreon, whatever reason. Uh, but he's come back, so thank you very much, Jeff, for a returning a Patreon producer. You know, it's interesting, at, at the peak, it was sometime uh, 18 months ago or so, at the peak, I had 260 patrons of the podcast. And people's financial situation changes. COVID changed everything. People come and go. It's about 168 now. Individuals and businesses support this podcast. I'd love to get that to 200 by the end of the year. So if you listen to this and you'd like to get your podcast ad-free and also support the work that I do, because this is how I earn money and pay the bills and support my family, and hopefully spread the word about electric vehicles, and hopefully save you time every day, because I've got another thousand articles in the last 24 hours to whittle it down to what is going to be a long podcast today, um, then feel free to support at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash evnewsdaily, and if not, it'll always be free on the main podcast feed. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. EV News Daily is your trusted source of EV information for Thursday, 20th of July. My name is Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story so you don't have to. Trying a new thing, so you know when to expect the show, live at 5pm UK, midday Eastern. Patreon supporters get the shows as soon as they're ready, though. Now, Tesla's margins may be shrinking, but profits are on the rise. Tesla reported a decrease in their margins for Q2 last night when I locked this show down. So I wrote the show uh, this morning after going through Tesla's Q2 earnings, but I haven't had a chance yet to listen to the call, which is where Elon Musk makes comments, etc., and gets asked questions because it was so late UK time. I'll do that for today, for tomorrow's show, and bring you any interesting tidbits or reaction. But the company's strategy to boost sales through price reductions is working, despite facing competition and an uncertain economy. Tesla has continued to cut prices and increase discounts and incentives. That led to a decrease in revenue per vehicle sold. But Tesla said it's focusing on reducing costs, developing new products, and acknowledging the challenges of uncertain times. The lack of new models has made it harder for Tesla to compete with Chinese rivals where more attractive offerings from the local competition have affected demand. Lower pricing impacting the profitability of Tesla, which has long been admired for their margins in the auto industry. Tesla reported a gross margin of 18.2% for Q2, the lowest in 16 quarters. It was 19% in the first quarter. A year ago, 25 so gross margins down 5.5% quarter over quarter, 27% year over year. But despite that, revenue is $24.93 billion in three months alone. Now, this isn't a financial podcast. I talk about Tesla financials more than I do others' financials because it's a bellwether of the EV industry, and they're driving the EV industry, so, I, so it's important. Despite the price cuts, automotive revenue, excluding that of regulatory credit sales, was up almost 50%. However, far less than the 83% increase in the number of vehicles sold. So Tesla is driving greater demand through lower prices. And that means you and I win, right? Lower, unless you try to sell a used car at the minute. It's great for us. Even though investors haven't been thrilled about Tesla's declining profit margins, they are celebrating the recent delivery report of 466,000 vehicles to customers delivered in the last three months. Tesla also talked about their Cybertruck program, saying it'll be the first 19-foot pickup truck. In other words, it will fit in a typical domestic garage with four doors and a six-foot bed. 
means very little to me because I'm in the UK and we don't have truck culture. But I'm very aware that my US listeners are fully into truck culture, and that might be important. They pointed out Cybertruck production will start this year, which is, I mean, six months away, isn't it? It could be 31st of December, and they start production to hit that target. The release candidate units, the RC units, are undergoing validation around the world. We've heard them in everywhere from uh, the US to New Zealand, where it's pretty cold in some places uh, down under. Tesla has released images of the Cybertruck testing and also in the factory production line as well. Tesla also said they're planning for an expansion of their factory in Berlin, including extensions to their battery cell production, indicating the ramp-up plans are in progress, despite a recent shift of focus on battery production to the United States because of the IRA incentives. The company recently got a sought approval, rather, for modifications to produce lithium-ion cells for use in cars and energy storage systems. The expansion is to include cell testing, Uh, mixing materials, an area for that, and production of the other processes and components for anodes and cathodes. Tesla previously stating back in February they were assembling battery modules already in Germany but and preparing to do the uh, electrodes there as well. However, they hadn't started because they then focused on battery cell production in the United States. That's because they need the subsidies offered by the Inflation Reduction Act on their US cars to stimulate sales, and they have to be made on US soil. Uh, North American soil. Uh, the company's ultimate goal is to double capacity to 100 gigawatt hours of battery production and a million cars a year, putting the plant's capacity above somewhere like Volkswagen's Wolfsburg headquarters. Uh, currently, Tesla makes 5,000 cars a week in Germany. Hasn't given us a timeline for the increased output, though. They faced considerably uh, considerable delays, when you think about it, to their opening date uh, for the German plant. There was objections by local citizens over the environmental impact. Tesla has now committed to not using any additional water capacity, but rather recycling the 1.4 million cubic metres of water they're licensed to use. Locals have until mid-September to file objections to these proposals. Tesla's also been named the most popular car brand in the United States, according to AutoTrader, using Google search data. Tesla was the most searched for car brand overall in 25 out of 50 states, including New York and California. Uh, There are over 60,000 monthly searches for the phrase Tesla for sale in the United States. The The same study found that Tesla is the most Google searched car brand in 39 countries across Asia, Europe and other parts of North America. Little update on those Teslas heading home. You know those three roadsters that were abandoned in shipping containers in China? They've now been removed and are heading back to the United States. The roadsters will be transported to Gruber Motors for a technical assessment. After being put up for auction in May, they attracted numerous bids and reached a peak of $2 million for all three of them. The auction is now listed as indefinite, and the vehicles were purchased years ago by a defunct car company in China uh, that wanted them for R&D, and they just sat for 10 years in a container untouched. They are as rare as hen's teeth. I think Tesla should buy them back, and you know, money's no object, of course, to the richest man in the world. So I think buy, those, buy the cars back from uh, the gentleman in China who purchased these shipping containers, then had to clear the debts of the shipping containers that have sat there for so long, uh, and then realise what he'd got. And so I think they should buy them off, uh, buy them off him and uh, put them in the reception or the foyer or whatever of some of, you know, maybe even their big plants in like Texas and Fremont, etc. Or, you know, or Germany, because these cars, these original roadsters that have done no miles. And, you know, if if the master switch, if you like, the, you know, the main connector to the high voltage battery was not connected, and they might not have been actually for uh, shipping uh, all the way over to China, 
then the batteries might not be entirely bricked. Entirely,、um, they could well be genuinely drivable. I mean, they probably won't be, but they could be, and so those would be amazing moments in time for what has turned into. A generational shift to the way that we're going to move around this planet—the shift to e-mobility that you and I think about and talk about every day—and these vehicles are such an important part of that, almost priceless. But of course, they will have a price. Somebody will make some money. I think Tesla should take them back、uh, if they can stomach writing the check. But it won't be a financial thing; it'll just be a pride thing whether they they write the check. I think they should, but somebody will snap them up, and they will be appreciating assets as well. Let's move on. The Tesla Model Y has dethroned the Dacia Sandero, a much, much, much cheaper car, to become the best-selling passenger car in Europe. It's the first time a battery electric vehicle has topped the sales charts halfway through the year, according to Automotive News Europe. Almost thirty thousand models Model Ys, which has registered in Europe in the last month. It, so, when I say that, I'm talking about the EU, the European Union. The United Kingdom and the other European Free Trade Association countries. That makes the overall total number of Model Ys, the cumulative sales this year so far, 125,000 at the midpoint through the year.、Uh, the Model Y was only the 17th best-selling car at the start of the year. So what a rise in popularity it's had! And everyone laughed when Elon Musk said that he, th- he thought the Model Y could be the number one vehicle in the world. And everybody chuckled. Well, the Tesla haters all laughed and said, "He is cray cray." Well, now Model Y, not just the best-selling EV, the best-selling vehicle in Europe in the first half of the year. And let's move on to another amazing story. Amazing story. The Netherlands, man, they are loving their electric vehicles. The Dutch cannot get enough of plug-in in cars. Now it's not quite Norway. But they're getting there. The Netherlands has seen an increase in their plug-in vehicle registrations in the month of June. Forty-five percent of the car market last month in June. It's forty-two percent year to date. One in two every other vehicle sold. It's got a plug socket on the side of it. The increase is again because of the rise of pure electric vehicles. It's not driven by plug-in hybrids. Guess what the number one was in June? Ah, you beat me to it. Tesla Model Y, and it was the best-selling vehicle. Of any fuel type overall, also selling well in the Netherlands, Peugeot E208, then the Model 3, then the MG ZS EV and the MG4 and the MG5 station wagon. Those Chinese MGs doing really well in some European countries. Now、ah, the Chinese are coming. The Chinese are here. Take a vehicle like the Xpeng G6. Now I'll talk about the Xpeng G6 because if the Tesla Model Y. Is Europe's number one vehicle of any fuel type? Then a vehicle arriving that is a Model Y competitor deserves airtime on this podcast. In my opinion, hope you agree.、Uh, the Xpeng G6 is a mid-sized crossover. It wants to sell high volumes when it leaves China and is sold. Uh, on on Western shores comes in two versions, Pro and Max. Difference being the battery size and the number of motors. The Pro and Max models have a、um, single rear motor and a 66 kilowatt hour LFP battery pack, but the long range versions、uh, will have a single rear motor, 87 kilowatt hour NCM pack, not LFP. And then there's the Performance Max that adds dual motor capabilities with the same big battery pack, 755 kilometers of range on the Chinese cycle, a bit less real world on the longest of that. 
Uh, the dual motor version has 358 kilowatts of power. It'll do 0 to 100 kph or 0 to 62 miles an hour in 3.9 seconds. Top speed of 202 kph. It's a proper Model Y competitor. Has a big 10.2 inch instrument display, full ADAS visualization, a 15 inch central display uh, with the latest Snapdragon chips inside a great sound system with dolby spatial audio it's got uh xpung's ngp and that is their autonomous driving system that has real-time hd mapping it's all very impressive and i think the xpung g6 is maybe a vehicle worth sticking on your radar uh, not for now but perhaps when it's available in where where you're listening to this podcast all right let's take a quick break it's going to be a long one today i'm trying not to add too much kind of editorializing today on my thoughts just bring you the news uh because otherwise i'll be here for half an hour you don't need that uh and so a reminder though that if you want to skip the ads strip the ads out of your podcast feed you can become a patreon supporter p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash ev news daily uh, whether it's a producer or executive producer get your name in the show notes and uh you can do that for ten dollars a month which is like a couple of posh coffees but means the world uh, to me and your support of any level means the world to me thank you so much i'll be back in a sec righty ho let's talk the australian businesses that are moving to evs more than half of aussie businesses are going to go ev in the next two years according to a new energy management firm study schneider electric their third annual sustainability study had a decent sample size on this by the way so we should pay attention to it uh, it found some industries are making better progress than others at going electric and they predict a significant increase over the next two years in australia as fuel efficiency standards are introduced An EV supply is increased, particularly those Chinese brands not too far to go from China to Australia. The research was conducted after the Aussie government released its first National Electric Vehicle Strategy document back in June. The study surveyed 500 executives from businesses of all sizes and industry groups. 51% of companies asked were likely or very likely to invest in zero emission transport within the next two years battery electric vehicles in Australia back in June. So last month were 8.8% of new vehicle sales, which trust me for Australia, I've been talking about this for many years now, (laughs) hundreds, almost 2000 episodes on the podcast for Australia to be up at almost double digits. It's amazing progress. It's low on a worldwide scale. It's brilliant for Australia. Now let's talk Ford. They've been talking more about how they want to turn their EVs into virtual power plants as part of a collective power grid solution. Ford is one of the founding members of the Virtual Power Plant Partnership, an initiative aimed at catalyzing the industry and transforming policies to support the scaling of VPPs. Ford's collaborations with Duke Energy and Pacific Gas and Electric are just two examples of how V2G technology is currently revolutionising the way that we consume and distribute energy. They are conducting trials at the moment that explore the capabilities of the bidirectional charging infrastructure to support the grid and crucially provide a financial incentive to EV drivers. Essentially building what is, think of it like a safety net at the circus for the power grid. It means that if you need to supply power back to the grid from your EV, if you don't need it, it can be done at times of need, peak time on a daily basis, you know, on, on a micro scale, minute by minute, but also on a macro as well. So certain times of the year, and it means that energy can be cheaper for all of us. It means the grid can operate more efficiently. And, you know, when you think about power grids, they have to design them for 
pig use. There's no point designing them for average use because that means, you know, if it's the mean average, half the time you'll go to boil the kettle and it just won't work. So you have to build out a, a national power grid, of which I'm enormously proud of the UK high voltage power grid, by the way, recently having its anniversary. And, uh, and, and so you build it for its peak. So you build it for everyone, I don't know, opening the beer fridge at half time of the World Cup or putting the kettle on. And so because you have to build it for the peak, but that means that nearly all of the time it's running in a state of inefficiency, not at its peak. And so if you can use localised generation, your people's EVs in their driveways, vehicle to home, it means you can make the grid more efficient. You can build smaller power grids around the world um, and ones that are more resilient, more localised and the kicker, the most important thing, I come back to it every time, is cheaper for you. You need to be, I'm incentivized because I pay, was it 9p at the minute, 8p on Octopus? It just went down a little bit. Uh, it used to be 5p, 5.5p on Octopus Go faster, but I pay a bit more at the minute. So of course I'm going to charge my EV over. I want to charge it during the day at 45 pence, which has also gone down a little bit lately. So it, you need to be incentivized to change your behavior, but it's happening and Ford are being a big part of that. Now, also here in the UK, the Cambridge College is launching a series of EV courses to help people upskill and retrain to meet the growing demand of the electric vehicle industry. The courses are designed to support the autom automotive industry adapt. This needs to be done in every university and college around the world. There are 620,000 pure EVs on UK roads right now. We're well over half a million pure EVs on UK roads. 224,000 added last year alone. So Cambridge and Peterborough authorities are working with educational institutions to upskill students and those that want to learn later in life as well. The boom in EVs is causing a demand for installing EV charging points. And these courses also form part of that new suite of courses for electricians to get the required certification this happens this needs to happen in so many places around the world all at once it's a massive undertaking great it's happening it's happening here okay i'm going to talk about an advert now that i've been sent so many times on social media i saw robert llewellyn from fully charged post this either on threads or twitter i've had this i've been copied in on twitter i've had it sent to me Let's talk about it. I've not talked about it yet because it's not a big, it's not a big, it's a big deal for some people. I'm not diminishing. I think Robert was very upset about it. Um, I think, I think it was his post I saw. I, it's just funny. Big oil. Big oil is clearly threatened by EVs and they're escalating their fight against cleaning up the planet. And it's going to clearly, as we clean up the air, clean up the air that we breathe and how we pollute our planet, and what we leave behind as well, is going to destroy trillion-dollar industries, and people don't like it. Now, Mobil Oil is a subsidiary of ExxonMobil. They've launched a new advertising campaign that tries to equate freedom with not being attached to a cable, suggesting that disconnecting feels like breaking free. This new, whether it's designed for TV or social media, uh, it's about 30 seconds, maybe a minute long, depicts everyday people at home, at work, out at play, children, all connected by dark black cables that sort of disappear off into the distance, implying big oil there, ExxonMobil, implying that you are tied to electricity. And this is the ridiculousness of the advert. Why didn't well, I watched it expecting to be furious because people were posting it, saying this advert is really, you know, it was awful, it's disgusting, that big oil is trying to fight. The, you know, the move to cleaning up. And so what they're trying to say is electricity means that you're plugged in all the time. Using oil gives you freedom. Like, fr we will want freedom, right? This is what we want. We want freedom. 
ridiculous, the most ridiculous advert, because are you plugged in right now? I mean, you might be charging your phone <laughs> in, if you're listening in the car. It might be you know, plugged in or something, you know. But can you not go somewhere today because you're plugged in? Like, I can't leave this office and then go and make myself a cup of coffee in my kitchen because I'm plugged in. It's the most stupid concept in the world. I saw it and just laughed because it just didn't resonate at all. No one is constrained because you have batteries. You can use your mobile phone out of the house because it has a battery. You can use your car out of the house because it has a battery. I just I just bought a new motor for my um, my blinds because you know I'm super nerdy and home assistant and things like that and, and super nerd 2000 um, and because I want to electrify my roller blinds. So they go up and down, you know, certain times of the day. Don't ask, nerd, nerd level 2000. And it's got a freaking battery inside it. So I don't mind plugging it into the mains, but this thing's got a lithium-ion battery inside it, lasts months, and it, it just replaces the little kind of roller blind insert and it connects to my Zigbee and off, off it goes. And it's incredible. So no, life is not, I don't have freedom uh, I have not have freedom because I'm plugged in. It was a stupid advert, stupid concept. Hope, hopefully it cost them lots of money and it won't work. It didn't work on me. Uh, I've been not talking about it for ages, but I thought, oh, go on, I'll, I'll bite. I'll bite then. I'll have a little nibble and talk about this. Stupid advert, stupid concept. Batteries exist. I go where I want in my electric vehicle. I am not constrained by, you know, if I want to go 100 miles to London, it's not a 100-mile cable back to my house. Daft. Written by someone who doesn't understand EVs. And that suits me. Good luck, big oil. Good luck. You carry on as you are. You're going absolutely down. The oil and gas industry also, while we're talking about it, are losing their mind about Joe Biden's administration. Now, this will all change, obviously, if Trump gets back in. I hope that doesn't happen, not because of my politics, particularly because, um, you know, man, politics. But uh, it's just shades of grey. I'm, I'm not one side or the other. Every, life is shades of grey. Uh, I'm a little bit conservative. I'm a little bit liberal. But certainly if Trump gets back in, this would all be put on the back burner and, you know, destroyed, unfortunately. So this is one thing that I do hope that Joe Biden sticks around for, because he is pushing through stricter tailpipe emissions. And they're not even that strict, to be honest with you. It starts in 2027. The EPA has been tasked with setting the standard so that by 2032, America can hopefully get to about 67% of new car sales being all electric and 46% of medium duty vans and stuff being electric like that's not even half by 2032 it's not even it's not even that bigger target and big oil is losing its mind uh, the proposed standards will result in oil producers losing at least 2.75 million barrels of oil per day by 2040 17 years away and yet they're now looking to make this a legal issue uh, legal issue take the epa to court over the claims they're overstepping their powers ethanol producers diesel groups fuel retailers and others that are going to lose out in this move to e-mobility along with oil producers i've written a letter to joe biden to consider alternatives i hope that he uh, does nothing apart from um you know, if he spills his coffee on the Oval Desk, mops it up and throws it in the bin, I would ignore that letter. Uh, if he goes to the uh, federal courts, um, I don't know, Supreme Court, um, who knows what happens there. Uh, there's some powerful forces at work. We need to fight harder all the time, fight harder all the time against the people that want to uh, create a, a, a worse life for you, me, and our children. 
Now, let's talk about VinFast. The Vietnamese automaker VinFast has announced the beginning of construction of their $4 billion EV plant in North Carolina. Starts next week, part of their expanded strategy in the United States. Uh, Production at the new factory is targeted for 2025. The first phase of the project will involve $2 billion of investment in a factory uh, with the capacity to make 150,000 vehicles a year. But VinFast say that for now, uh, they expect to sell 50,000 VinFast EVs in the US by the end of this year. Up until the end of May, they've so far sold 128. Work to do there, you'd think. Vauxhall slash Opel has released pricing and details of their new facelifted Corsa Super Mini. The 51 kilowatt hour version has a choice of two different motors, starts at £32,000 which undercuts the Mini Electric at £34,500, but a bit more than the Renault Zoe at £29,000. Uh, the EV offers uh, now an upgraded motor shared with the Peugeot E208 and an improved WLTP range of 246 miles as well. The current car, with its 134 brake horsepower motor and the 51 kilowatt hour battery with 222 miles of range, will still be on sale. Right, a couple more stories. Nissan have unveiled their new electric Townstar van, a long wheelbase with more cargo capacity, longer in length like a mid-size van, uh, 831 uh, millimeter side opening for the the wide the wider side door. So you get a Euro pallet in the side. It'll take two Euro pallets in terms of its full cargo, and it'll tow fifteen hundred kilograms as well. Two hundred and forty two miles quoted on the urban cycle, and I don't like normally them trying to fudge the numbers on press releases but these vehicles so much of it will be the urban cycle combined cycle of 171 miles from a 41 no 45 kilowatt hour battery in this one which will ac charge at 22 and dc charge up to 80 right three more stories nissan did announce that they are going to become the first japanese automaker to adopt tesla's Connector, the NACS, North American Charging Standard. From 2025, Nissan will equip their EVs with that first Japanese one to take the plunge. Everybody, of course, will now. This is why I'm not putting these stories further up the running order anymore, because it's kind of a no-brainer. In 2024, next year, they'll be charging adapters for their Aria EV models, and then they currently have the CCS plug, although in Japan they have Chadamo as well as CCS on the Aria. Uh, And then... With the adapter, you can use the supercharger network, of course. Then from 2025, the cars will come natively with NAX on the side. Uh, Chatamo definitely um, on its way out in the US. But a big, a big installed base of drivers, though, that must not be ignored. EVs have outpaced diesels here in Europe for the very first time. Uh, more electric cars than diesel cars were registered in the month of June, according to the ACEA. Uh, according to them... June in Europe, June's pure BEV, pure not hybrids, but pure BEV sales were 15% share. Diesels in June were 13.4. First time we've seen pure BEVs above diesel in all of Europe. It's just an amazing. Another little data point, again, a couple of years ago, this would, be, this would have been a headline story, like when there was fewer things to talk about on this podcast, maybe, you know, four years ago. Um, these kind of stories were, were further up because there was just less stuff going on now i could do an hour a day but i won't don't worry <laughs> and finally Tricity, a pioneer in wireless ev charging has launched a new fast track program for 
car makers, OEMs, to integrate their technology, allowing integration in just three months, which speeds up automotive testing, which can be years with their new technologies. Wytricity's receiver is an 11-kilowatt charger, uh, which can be built into electric vehicles. They're committed, they say, to helping the OEMs adopt wireless charging technology quickly and automotive timelines being what they are three months is the blink of an eye the fast track program assists oems in developing dealer installable wireless charging mats on the floor and onto vehicles as well uh, to meet market demand where it is right that's your podcast for today my goodness sorry it was a long one today uh, premium partners of the show are phil roberts of electric future porsche of the village in cincinnati audi of cincinnati east volvo cars of cincinnati east national car charging on the u.s mainland and aloha charge in hawaii Derek riley's ev review island youtube channel octopus electroverse global public charging made simple with one app and one map and least plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good and see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.